to entertain you, we'll sing your songs. Hey there, are you obsessed with things that happened before your time? Well, if you are, join me, the host of Before My Time, Gelsey Laurie, to discuss the wonders of the yesteryears that we weren't around to enjoy ourselves. You can find us on all podcast platforms. Soon you'll be swaying, so come on, sing along. Put down that smartphone and listen to me. I'm Matthew Milligan, professional musician and lifelong Weird Al fan. Each week, I'm joined by professional podcaster and close personal friend Matt Kelly to take a dive off the deep end into the vast career of pop culture icon Weird Al Yankovic on our show, Weird Algorithm. Along with some very special guests from the worlds of music and comedy, we tackle every song, every television appearance, and every bit of sketch comedy Al has produced in chronological order. Covering the good old days of My Bologna and Eat It, the fun zone of tacky and white and nerdy, and everything in between. As we go, we're ranking the songs, albums, and music videos in the hopes of creating the ultimate guide to a career bigger than the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. So the next time you're having one of those days stuck in a traffic jam wondering why does this always happen to me, just kick off your sneakers and stick around for a while because we've got it all on Weird Algorithm. Available wherever you get your podcasts. And now you know. Was that enough references? Welcome to another episode of Horror Movie Night. This week we're discussing Cellar Dweller from 1988 as picked by Scott. Scott, what was the reason that you picked Cellar Dweller? Jeff Combs. <laughs> Good choice. Um, uh, so Cellar Dweller, it wasn't until midway through this movie that I realized that I have never watched this full movie. I've watched the first five minutes multiple times because I love it. And then I always get really bored in the middle and shut it off. But I'm glad that I stuck it out because the later half of this movie is really fun. But, man, there's like 20 minutes that's just like, look at how eccentric these people are. And yeah, I definitely didn't watch this at 1x the whole way through. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, fun fact right before we start. This is the only non-Child's Play movie written by Don Mancini. Oh, cool. Ooh. I didn't even look that up. Yeah, so that's uh, that's... A cool note that's an interesting thing i think i've heard him talk about this before and like whatever they made with this movie is so far from what he had originally written oh, that bummer. he's like pseudo disowned it but um movie starts off with some exciting music according to the subtitles <laughs> and jeffrey combs uh taking place in the 50s he's drawing a comic god i wish and, that uh, would have been like half of the movie you yeah, know so 1950s like, yeah. ec comics jeffy combs well, that's and that's the thing. There's so I almost did this as my double feature, but I felt like picking a TV show episode as a double feature was kind of weird. But there's an episode of Tales from the Crypt that is very much this movie. 
but it's about a guy working at EC Comics writing Tales from the Crypt comics. Oh, but everything cool. he draws becomes real, and he becomes like the the focus of a police investigation because they're like, "Why are you drawing all these real crimes?" And he's like, "I'm not." Like, but the <laughs> books are getting published after he's drawn them, so it looks like he has knowledge of the murders. Um, so it's pretty. It's it. You know that that was like immediately what I connected with this, but um, yeah, the monster looks pretty cool, but like he's got these dainty hands. Yeah, he does. <laughs> yeah. Like he can't put his arms down, so he's always just got them prim and proper up. <laughs> he's like a little T Rex. <laughs> yes, he is. He does look like it, but with like long arms. Like it doesn't make sense. I wish he had like teeny tiny arms. Yeah. Um. But okay, so so it, you didn't even need to ask me why I picked this movie because yeah. within the first three minutes we get rubber suit monster and boobies and EC yep. Comics. I mean, really. And Jeffrey Cobes and and Empire, uh, Empire <laughs> picture. Yeah. So yeah, it's like yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> you know who my favorite character is in the movie though and he's barely in it is Stuart the cabbie i love that dude <laughs> he like he's driving our main character to this college full of eccentric assholes and it's literally a house <laughs> it's just a house yeah uh and he's leaning over and he's just chatting with her and he's like yeah no you know they say that place is scary missy i don't know if you should go in there it's a pretty bad idea and then she like reaches over and shuts off the fair because it's it still shut up. yeah up. yeah He's like, oh, yeah, good call, good call. Anyway, go in there, be safe, have fun. She gets out and goes, damn, chatty broads, they never know when to stop talking. Broads will chew your ear off. <laughs> I just like, I love this dude. Why, why can't he come back? Why can't everybody in this movie be like him? Yeah, just so, like funny, charming, and fast talking and, and completely oblivious yeah, to what's happening. Yeah, and he, and he doesn't overstay his welcome. That's also why he's so fun. But so, um, ever notice how axes in movies are so shiny? Like, I've never seen an axe as shiny in real life as I have in movies. Like, this axe that Jeffy comes, takes down in the basement in the beginning is so shiny. It reminds me of the axe that they use in, like, every single Silent Night, Deadly Night. Like, just Mm -hmm. absurdly, absurdly shiny. It's not even, it's made out of, like, mercury. (laughs) (laughs) At least it makes sense in this one because it's an axe that he drew, so it's like an artist rendition oh, of an axe. Oh, fair. But, but okay. I agree that in other movies, it's like, yeah, no. <laughs> I've never even walked through like a Home Depot for the brand new axes that haven't been used and then be that shiny. Yeah, because it's like that has a chrome outside that would never work with a real axe, so it's obviously a fake axe that they had made by a prop shop. Yeah. Uh, but he does his best American Psycho impression, like when he grabs it and runs down to the basement in his white smock, he basically looks like Patrick Bateman about to kill Jared Leto. <laughs> yeah. It, it, there's definitely a severe lacking of Jeffrey Combs in this though. Like I wished, I kept hoping that he would pop up again, even if it was like as a yeah. ghost or something. Like I was like, bring him I back. I forget every time I watch this movie that he's only in the first five minutes. Yeah. He has like yeah. three lines of dialogue and the rest is just yeah. running around screaming with an ax. Um, <laughs> As but much so, as I love Jeffrey Combs, he's also made some questionable decisions. Like this movie. <laughs> like being in the remake of House on the Haunted Hill with Peter um, Gallagher, who wasn't uh, Mr. Mm, Winona mm, Ryder, who wasn't Beetlejuice. You, oh. <laughs> I was going to say that one again like, because I was about to lose my sh- <laughs> Yeah, I'm like just being angry as you're getting your six degrees to Kevin or uh, Michael Keaton. Beetlejuice. 
Yeah. It's six degrees of it's six degrees of Beetlejuice. Really, it's six degrees to Michael Keaton. Yeah, yeah. yeah it just yeah. Yeah. that Michael Keaton has done a lot of bad movies or has just worked a lot more than everyone else. I don't because think that don't you know, know. I feel he, like you'd have an easier time if you were doing like Samuel Jackson because he's been in a lot. He works mm-hmm. so he's like one of the hardest working men in Hollywood. He'll do yeah. anything. Well, the the funny thing is the whole reason that I started doing this was because of um, Sleepwalkers with the, the pedophile teacher. And I think that that was the second movie I saw him in. And I was like, oh, I'm going to use this guy because he does a, he must do a shitload of B movies and it always gets him. I haven't used him once. Yeah. I haven't utilized him once the entire time. Yeah, he's he doesn't. He doesn't pop up it enough, but when he does pop up, you're like, <laughs> there he is. But one of them's Heather's. Like, if you're going to get to Heather's, you might as well just use Winona Ryder as your final connector. Exactly. As well. So, like, unless you want to, you know, mix it up a little bit. Yeah, just yeah. just for variety. These characters are just so eccentric. It reminds me a little bit of um <laughs> another mediocre movie called Art School Confidential. Oh yeah, uh, where like all the characters are just these over the top parodies of art students. And, uh, you know, when we were talking Murder Party, that's the movie that I was thinking of. Oh, Art School Confidential? Yeah, yeah. it's just it, – it, I've seen it done so many times. Just, that's why I saw Art School Confidential when I was in art school. You know, I mean I went to a yeah. liberal arts college, but I mean it's like I was around those fucking people. And I liked Art School Confidential a lot more before it turned into a murder mystery. Like that's where yeah. the movie's just like, oh, like – as a satire on art school, it's good. And then it tries to have this narrative storyline and twist. And you're just like, oh, no, you fucked up. So which one came first? Art School Confidential or Brick? Uh, art School Confidential, I think. But because I always think of those. Same time. I feel like those two are both like, ooh, crime noir. And one does it so well and one does it so poorly. So Brick was 2005. Art School Confidential was 2006. Um, I love I, Brick. Yeah. I Brick fucking is love a, Brick. Brick's one of the best. Uh, Brick was one of the coolest movies I got to see in theaters. Because like when they showed up, when we went to the Ritz, they gave you this little tiny... It was called the Dictionary of Brick. And when you would flip through it, it would have like some of the terms that they would be using in the movie and what it meant in like film noir in the past oh, so cool. that you could like understand the references. I lost mine. I think Shrop still has his, but like that was that movie was a fucking blast. I still can revisit that and have fun. Yeah, I've seen it like three or four times. For and, and for movies that have like twist esque endings, I don't really watch them more than yeah. once. Yeah. So yeah. When I like that, that that movie has the really cool, uh, I think it's a cool thing that they don't do enough is there's the chase scene where there's absolutely no music and it's just the sound of the feet running through the hall. Yeah. Um, yeah. To build the tension of the chase. You're just like, oh man, this is really cool. Anyway, on to a less well-known and <laughs> well, less fun I, I knew we needed to beef up this conversation with something classy. So there well, you go, Brick. <laughs> because, so here's the problem. It's just, it's just like the middle is just whatever. We meet our cast of characters and then our main character decides hey, I'm going to, for my art project, try to recreate what my favorite artist, who was Jeffrey Combs, what his last comic was before he died, because I believe that he didn't do what everyone says he did, where he got framed for murdering somebody and then committing suicide when it was actually a rubber monster. (laughs) Finally, we get the rubber monster back, and then the last 20 minutes is a goddamn delight. 
But yeah. Just, oh yeah. But the the best thing about this movie is that it's only an hour and ten. So. But that but it's an hour and ten, and it drags way too much yeah. for a movie that's an hour and ten minutes. Uh, well, yes, but I'm saying like it's only an hour and ten minutes, so you can fast forward through a little bit of the exposition. Fair enough. Yeah, it's like here's the thing though. It's like not a bad movie in my mind. No, it's not. So. It's, it's like a worse, like for horror movie night, a podcast, great, we do this movie. But for like an actual horror movie night at a house, it's just not a good pick because it's not great. No. But it's not like fun to like sit there and be like, let's rip on this movie. Like, I think the monster's pretty cool. Yeah. I, I love fun. he's got a pentagram carved into his chest. Yeah. Like, it's not, it's not laughable. I, I, so here's a question. I know this is like a little tiny thing. How do you feel about the fact that the monster talks? Because I'm real torn on it. I mean, why not? When it, when it starts to talk, it's just like, okay, this is happening, you know? <laughs> like, like, I was you're just along like, for the uh, ride, you know? Yeah. But I'll tell you, my favorite part in this whole movie isn't the Jeffrey Combs intro. It used to be. But it's the first kill of that girl, Amanda, when <laughs> two things happen. She draws a banana peel, and then the banana yes. peel disappears on the ground, and she slips. But then it's the sound effect for the, the door, door handle. Yeah, I have a note for that too. <laughs> <laughs> it's so out of place in every way, shape, oh, or form. But I feel like that had to have been in Don Mancini's original script because yeah. it's just so. I don't know. He's very. He's a very playful, dude. You know, yeah, like I, I feel cartoony. like it, it turns into Looney Tunes at those points. Um, but yeah, that scene is. Really I wish funny. That there was more of that, though. There was more. I wish there was more of that. I wish there was more gore. Like the decapitation looks so fucking good, but there's really not that much blood in the rest of the movie. Yeah, no. It's yeah. a lot of. Well, it's a lot of like shots of the comic book, which yeah, you don't yeah that. Um, but we do get to sit through that entire weird balloon dance about how death is death, sad. Death, death, death is sad. <laughs> yeah yeah but then we uh, the the um your reward for for sitting through that stupid bullshit performance art is that the crime noir detective gets decapitated and it looks fucking awesome yeah it's great i wish i wish that the cellar dweller required everyone be decapitated <laughs> you know like have your monster have a preferred method of murder yeah i, I think that that's super important because you know, with slasher killers, they always pick a weapon. But if your hands are weapons, wouldn't you want to just decapitate everyone? I mean, we'll get to that in what two weeks. But uh, yeah. still, I I just I just want a supercut. Like I want two and a half hours of every awesome decapitation that we've ever watched. <laughs> You're talking to a guy who could probably make that for I, you. Listen, I don't. But want... only after he's caught up on Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> You got to see some hanging dong in Game of Thrones to steal yourself for all that decapitation. <laughs> oh, God. Um, I mean, we're just speeding through the There's movie. But not, basically, the, okay, so I yeah. have one thing to say about the Dweller. He has kind eyes. He does. He does. He does. His eyes do a little, like, flicker thing. Did you notice that? Mm -mm. I don't know if it was just my TV, but I swear that there's, like, this... When he pops up before he kills, there's like a weird like flicker in his eye. Um, he starts drawing comics without our lead character doing it. Yeah. Uh, and forcing himself to kill more. Um, and my favorite thing, forcing a teacher to transform into him, which was just fucking bonkers. 
That was so weird. I love it though. Oh, you know who that is? Yvonne DiCarlo. Okay. That's, Mrs. Briggs is is played by Yvonne DiCarlo. Yvonne DiCarlo. She was in American Gothic. She's the the grandma or the mother or whatever in oh, that. Oh yeah, yeah. And she um, was. I mean, she's but she was in a lot of stuff. Um, in the sixties and seventies. Um, well, mostly 50s and then in the 70s, but her heyday, uh, 40s. Oh, shit. What am I? What's her biggest thing? Um, um, oh, she was, uh, Sephora in, uh, Ten Commandments. Like with, with, uh, what's his face? She's a super famous. She was like a model actress. She, like, Yvonne DiCarlo, man. She was, she was a big deal. So you had mentioned American Gothic, and actually, I watched. Oh, she was also Lily Munster. Thank you. Oh, there you go. Uh, I also watched a movie that uh, had someone from American Gothic in it. it. Was recently I watched Meatballs for the first time. Oh, I've never seen Meatballs! It. And <laughs> wait, wait, and is that the, the one that has all the boobs, or is that Meatballs Four? That's probably Meatballs Four because Meatballs One is a PG movie with Bill Murray. It was his first starring role. Okay. Um, but yeah, one of the camp counselors at the camp, I'm like, she looks really familiar. And I Googled her and she'd only been in like four other movies, but one of them was the lead in American Gothic. Oh, with the crazy eyes. Oh, I love her. <laughs> She's so great. Uh, so finally, our lead character realizes that this cellar dweller is causing all the chaos and she's got to stop it. And she accidentally stops it by throwing whiteout over the comic. And I literally wrote, whiteout, of course. <laughs> that is such a, are you afraid of the dark kind of ending? It's, I was going to say also like a Batman from the 60s. Thing. Oh, yeah. But uh, the I love the shot of she's looking at the comic now that the whiteout's all over it. And the cellar dweller's hand bursts out of the page real quick, <laughs> um, which was just fucking awesome. But then she realizes, oh, I can draw all of my friends still being alive and everything will be okay. And then she promptly throws it in the fire like a numb nuts. Well, no, 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 no. She burns the sheet of paper with the cellar dweller on it because, and I agree, she's smart. She's like, he will find a way to escape if I don't burn this paper. Like, he will only be chained to this wall for so long. But what he starts doing is making the sheet of paper that's him also turn into every single other person one by one so that he's... Like, I get it. She, I wouldn't have thought of that. I was like, okay, cool. She's burning the cellar dweller. All's good. And then the pictures started changing. I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> you were really emotionally invested in these characters. Well, and so here's the thing. So, like, it brought up a lot of moral questions in my head. Because <laughs> it's like, do they know that they're dead? Are they just, like, a duplicate of the person that they used to be? Like, Ooh. is this clones? Did she just clone them? Is this like the fucking prestige? Spoiler alert for a movie uh, that not many people saw from like 15 years ago. Or like, that, oh my God. Is it really that old? Yeah, I was still in college. So yeah, <laughs> it was so fucking old. old. Oh God. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, like I, I don't, I don't know who these people are. They don't seem like their normal selves. So are they truly themselves anymore? Or did she write them with the personalities of what she wanted them to have? I don't know. There's so many answers that could have been answered in Cellar Dweller too, if this was more popular of a movie, I guess. Uh, but, uh, were we at the point where, where he was like, um, where, you know, Richard Bann was like, uh, I think I'm done with sequels. <laughs> I think it was like, I don't know if sequels are marketable because this was the year before Puppet Master, which oh. changed, everything. <laughs> changed everything. Really? Puppet Master's 89? Yeah. First Puppet Master's 89. Because it looks uh, like well, it was about 84 when you watched that movie. 
I love Puppet Master 1, but it is not a well-shot film. Puppet Master 1 is probably the last Puppet Master I'd be willing... Puppet Master 1 and Puppet Master 4 are the only remaining ones we haven't done an episode on that I'd be willing to do an episode on. The rest of that franchise. Oof. um, Yeah, yeah, I don't... Well, Retro Puppet Master, which I don't think I've seen, which is like... Is that the most recent before uh, Littlest Reich? No, they made a whole lot after Retro Puppet Master. Oh, shit. Because I think Axis of Evil was in there. There was a, There's a whole bunch of shit. Maybe um, I have seen that, but I haven't seen Axis of Evil. <laughs> I, dude, they all blend together. They're, they're so that, terrible. That's the problem. After, like, Curse of the Puppet Master, that was the last one that Which I remember. Which wasn't even the Curse of the Puppet Master. The, that one sucks, but that one at least stands out to me because it sucks. That's the one where it's just, like, a regular puppet maker, and the kid finds the instructions on how to make a life-size puppet. And he's like, okay, cool. And he starts working on it, but then the puppets turn on him and turn him into the giant puppet instead at the very end of the movie. And you're just like, all right. It's literally 55 minutes long. It is the shortest (laughs) Puppet Master movie. See, I can't tell if I've seen that or not because it's just such a forgettable plot. Yeah, they they all blend together. They're all... But that's the only one... Like, the rest are just like, the puppets are back for some reason. Yeah. And, like... For hate crimes. Yeah. (laughs) Half of them, they're like... The puppets are back, and here's a bunch of stock footage of what they've done in the past. Yeah. (laughs) uh, But yeah, I mean, Cellar Dweller is decent. It's definitely something that I will, I'm sure I'll revisit, but not anytime I think it's better as clips. Yeah. Um, It's part of a double, I have it as part of a double disc Scream Factory release with a movie called The Catacombs that I never really loved, and I hear so many people rave about it. The Catacombs. Yeah, it's got a good box art. It's like a classic, but you can tell that it's one of those like um, Charles Band hired someone to paint the cut the poster, and then they wrote the movie around the poster concept. What year? Um, uh, I want to say same time eighty eight. It was actually originally like the cursed four or five, and then they just changed the name to Catacombs. Oh, it's called but Catacombs, nineteen eighty eight. Yeah. Uh. Okay, so Curse 4. Wait, as in like Yeah, as in Curse like the Curse the bite? the bite. Yeah. Okay, are you talking about the one where the woman's tied up? Yeah, that's the cover that I have. Life after death after death after dot dot dot. So, <laughs> have you watched it? Yeah, it's kind of just forgettable. It's like it's it's a period piece horror and like Ooh, those that are does it for me good. though, man. Yeah, you'll love it, but it, you'll watch it and be like, "Well, this is not horror movie night content." Like, it's just not think, it's not bombastic enough uh i think just in general horror movie night never really can do too much with period pieces no the only way that we can do period pieces is if, if it's uh um waxwork <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah the giant eye with the girl all tied up is the cover that i have so how yeah, many of the curse four cover uh, as well what's what's curse three then is there uh, a curse three there is a Curse 3. I've never seen it. It's the only one I haven't seen. Because, I mean, Curse 2, the bite, is baller. I mean, I love yeah. that movie. It's it's slow at times, but, man, uh, Curse 3 is the blood sacrifice. Holy shit! <laughs> Google the Curse 3, and there is a picture of some type of fucking monster that I am all about. Oh, yeah, I'm for Curse that. Three. It looks like It kind of looks like fucking blood uh, sacrifice? Picture of the Black Lagoon and it does. fucking alligator bang. Yeah! Oh, we're doing that. Oh, we're doing that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. 
Uh, anyway, so wait, wait. Here's really the like... question, though: Is how is Curse Three Blood Sacrifice from 1991, but Curse Four Catacombs is from 1988? Good call. Unless we just searched 1988 because that was the only year I could think 19... of. But... No, 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 no. Because I I went back. Okay, let me go back. Because I, <laughs> uh, pardon me. Sorry, sorry. Uh, so Catacombs movie 1988 is what comes up. Catacombs. Yeah. Then I wonder if it was one of those things where it came out, it did nothing. And then after the curse three, they were like, fuck it, let's re-release Catacombs. That had to be what it was. Okay, so here's <laughs> here's Catacombs 1988 film uh, on Wiki. So the uh, the film was the last officially completed film by Empire Pictures before the company was seized by Credit Leonese for failure to pay on loans. As a result, <laughs> the film's release was delayed for five years. It was eventually given the t- new title, Curse for the Ultimate Sacrifice. Yeah. Okay. So here's by the, Columbia here's TriStar. The, here's a fun thing. If you go on IMDb for Catacombs, aka Cursed Four, it says follows the cursed is followed by curse two and curse three <laughs> <laughs> so yeah they were just kind of sitting on this this for a for a while i don't think so, that it was ever supposed to be in the curse lineage yeah. well none of those movies make any sense because the first <laughs> yeah. curse is is just like, a retelling of the color out of space by hp lovecraft yeah and then um i mean and it's, the, it's a, it's a second one's a guy turns into a giant mutant sp- oh, uh, snake. snake and it's so good <laughs> really i mean and it's got Screaming Mad George who did all the work. So, I mean, it's it's so good. So none of them really follow any sort of – they don't – they don't. it doesn't mean anything that it's in the Curse franchise. No, it's, it's like, like the, the least franchise. No, no, it's yeah. worse than the Howling because at least the, the Howling, howling follows werewolves. Yeah, this is like <laughs> here's a monster. <laughs> Cellar Dweller, Curse 6. <laughs> We're here to entertain you. We'll sing your songs. Hey there. Are you obsessed with things that happened before your time? Well, if you are, join me, the host of Before My Time, Gelsey Laurie, to discuss the wonders of the yesteryears that we weren't around to enjoy ourselves. You can find us on all podcast platforms. Soon you'll be swaying, so come on, sing along. Put down that smartphone and listen to me. I'm Matthew Milligan, professional musician and lifelong Weird Al fan. Each week, I'm joined by professional podcaster and close personal friend Matt Kelly to take a dive off the deep end into the vast career of pop culture icon Weird Al Yankovic on our show, Weird Algorithm. Along with some very special guests from the worlds of music and comedy, we tackle every song, every television appearance, and every bit of sketch comedy Al has produced in chronological order. Covering the good old days of My Bologna and Eat It, the fun zone of tacky and white and nerdy, and everything in between. As we go, we're ranking the songs, albums, and music videos in the hopes of creating the ultimate guide to a career bigger than the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. So the next time you're having one of those days stuck in a traffic jam wondering why does this always happen to me, just kick off your sneakers and stick around for a while because we've got it all on Weird Algorithm. Available wherever you get your podcasts. And now you know. Was that enough references? Ah, the smell of the video store. I love this place.
Do you remember when you could just look at the walls of covers? We had to choose just by looking at the cover and reading the crappy synopsis. It was, you were leaving with one. And the only way to know what new movies were coming out is you actually had to watch the trailers instead of skipping them. Right, we didn't have the internet to look it up. We had one guy named Todd behind the counter that would (laughs) tell us what was good or not. And Todd strangely liked way too many romantic comedies. Yes, but you always knew when the boobies were coming because Todd made sure. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and remember all the awful CG we had to put up with in the mid-90s? We talk about that a lot, don't we? Join us on Analog Jones and the Temple Film where we talk about VHS tapes. And we wax nostalgia like none other. All right, so what was your guys' Cellar Dweller double feature? Well, since I picked it, I want to go first. Is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. Is it Stone Age? (laughs) No. Three weeks in a row? No. um, So I was really torn on this. I, I have two. I'm going to tell you the one that I really picked, and then I'm going to tell you my runner-up. So the one that I would actually pick is Wes Craven's New Nightmare because it's okay. the same kind of concept. But I would start with New Nightmare because it's an actually scary movie to me. Like, it gives it's me well that. It's, yeah. and it looks great. I watched it just maybe six months ago again, and I watched it sometime, yeah, like summer, fall of last year. And – um it's a really good movie. It holds up really well. It makes me feel like the original Nightmare on Elm Street makes me feel still like that that absolute dread about Freddy, whereas none of the other ones do. So I love that movie. I just absolutely adore New Nightmare. Um, and it also is kind of like you are giving evil an entry into the world. And so it's like, you know, topical. But I would do New Nightmare first and then to calm down i would do cellar dweller because it's so cheesy but my my runner-up that i was like i had new nightmare written down for my double feature because i'm actually trying to do double features in advance now so i don't forget when i'm on the spot but as we were discussing this i was thinking about how all of the (laughs) i don't know if this is an ec i've read a lot of ec comics tales from the crypt type stuff and I don't think that it was a trope, but maybe I'm just missing the true trope here. But every woman that's drawn in Cellar Dweller's cartoon or in the comic book cells has hard nipples. And <laughs> I'm thinking cold. like either it's really cold in the house or whoever wrote this had this trope in their head that like every woman in an EC Comics uh, panel had hard nipples. And so it got me thinking about this really shitty movie with um dick miller in it called evil tunes i've mentioned it before um and it's a really shitty pervy evil dead 2 but it's got horny cartoon they're really they're literally really drawn onto the 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 actual into the movie and they're rapey cartoon monsters and i don't know if you want to go really schlocky you could start with cellar dweller and then like kick it up a notch and do evil tunes, but even I feel almost dirty suggesting it because it's like really exploitative, and that's why I haven't in the four. Oh, 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 we're almost at four years of horror movie night plus extra. How many years you and I have been discussing movies together? I haven't yeah. made us sit through it because <laughs> there are a lot of uncomfortable scenes in that film. It's the why we never did Rape Squad. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, so I, like I said, I was originally considering maybe doing the tales from the crypt episode corman's calamity 
but I think that a TV show episode doesn't really count. So what I'm going to go with is a movie that I am still waiting on when I'm going to pull the trigger on it for a Patreon episode, uh, Cool World. Yeah, dude, Ooh. we haven't you haven't picked that one yet. I, I know it was on no. your list, but I'm surprised. Yeah, now I'm waiting for the right time. I because I, it's not a very good movie, but it's a very that's our bread and butter, my friend. Movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, cool Is world. Kim Brad Basinger, Pitt, the Kim Basinger, uh, yeah. and some other people. But yeah, I used to watch that shit all the time. It's very clearly a oh, we're gonna try to cash in on Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah, but, oh yeah. Um, I just want to be real. <laughs> Yeah, but it is, it is disturbing on on a lot of ways. So uh, I'm gonna go with Cool World, Brian. Nice. So I'm gonna do one that is just a plug that I'm gonna do that I haven't seen yet. But today, February first, uh, yes. while you guys are listening to this, yeah, there is a movie on Netflix that just was released today, February first, called Velvet Buzzsaw. <laughs> It is by Dan Gilroy, who did um, Nightcrawler. It is starring Jake Gyllenhaal, John Malkovich, and Tony Collette. And it seems similar to this movie based on the trailer. It looks like a uh, these paintings are discovered and they start coming to life and killing people. Looks really fucking awesome. It's got a great lineup. I'm going to watch it. I hope you do too. And now a less good movie. Um, this is what this is a You're Welcome type of spoiler alert because it's not a very good movie but the ending of this movie reminded me of a 2014 movie called come back to me um where this girl has this creepy neighbor and she keeps having these nightmares um and it turns out like she keeps having these nightmares of her being raped and murdered and then it turns out that this kid has this unexplainable superpower where he can bring people back to life and they have no idea what happened. So he so he went through his life, you know, raping women, killing them, and then bringing them back to life. Holy shit. That's yeah. awful. Yeah, no, it's a it's it's not a very good movie. The only decent part of the movie is the very end when she defeats the killer and she kills him. And then what immediately happens is every single girl that he murdered dies and it just is like a bunch of cut shots of like a girl swimming in the pool and her throat gets slit and like all these things so then she ends up dying and and everyone that he's ever killed once he dies dies and it was a cool shot ending um but the rest is a cool it's a cool concept i like that but man just the concept of the movie in general is like who the fuck would write that and be like yeah i want to put this on film yeah and it's not it's not very good which which really makes me um I got to say, good, good job, Netflix, because um, you guys have come a long way, because in order to find this movie, I had to do some research on the year it came out. And man, Netflix has been doing pretty good with horror. But, with, but like two, three years ago, they were putting out some fucking garbage horror movies. Wait, so, wait Netflix made that movie? I'm fairly certain it was a Netflix movie. I mean, oh, wow, I, that's even worse. Yeah, but they came a long way. So good for you. Netflix. <laughs> Thank you for going from come back to me to apostle. Yeah. Well, that was cellar dweller from 1988 as picked by Scott. Uh, Next week's episode, you guys are going to lose your head over. It's going to be really, really (laughs) exciting. So tune in for that. It's picked by me. uh, And, you know, we're getting closer and closer to the uh, listener submitted month. And more importantly, holy shit. How have we not explicitly said this? 
we're a month away from Mania now, guys. So yeah. Monster Mania is on March 8th. Brian, Scott, me, the Jersey Ghouls. As far as I know, Fright School's going to be there with yeah. us as well. We're going to be fucking hanging out. I think Chris LaMartina Martina, yeah. from WNUF is going to be there for a little bit. So we're just going to all have like a giant gang get together. We're going to have Dylan from the episode, from past episodes. We're trying to see if Kyle will come down. It's going to be a giant horror movie night squad reunion. We're going to be recording all of those listener submitted episodes live at Monster Mania, live, quote unquote, in our hotel rooms. Um, maybe we'll even do one on Facebook Live. Maybe we'll do something crazy live from the hotel room. You can watch us doing an episode. We'll see what we end up doing. It's it's up in the air for now. But March 8th, 9th, and 10th, if you live in the area, please come out. Cherry Hill, New Jersey, Monster Mania. We will be there chatting with you, and we'll figure out some cool shit to do. And if you're not able to be there, keep your eyes on the Facebook page because I'm sure we'll be posting pictures and all types of stuff th throughout the week, and we'll be blowing that feed up. In the meantime, keep in touch with us also on Twitter and Instagram, uh, HMN Podcast, or our website, HMNPodcast.com, or send us some emails at HMNPodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back next week. Boom. obsessed with things that happened before your time? Well, if you are, join me, the host of Before My Time, Gelsie Laurie, to discuss the wonders of the yesteryears that we weren't around to enjoy ourselves. You can find us on all podcast platforms. Soon you'll be swaying, so come on, sing along. Put down that smartphone and listen to me. I'm Matthew Milligan, professional musician and lifelong Weird Al fan. Each week, I'm joined by professional podcaster and close personal friend Matt Kelly to take a dive off the deep end into the vast career of pop culture icon Weird Al Yankovic on our show, Weird Algorithm. Along with some very special guests from the worlds of music and comedy, we tackle every song, every television appearance, and every bit of sketch comedy Al has produced in chronological order. Covering the good old days of My Bologna and Eat It, the fun zone of tacky and white and nerdy, and everything in between. As we go, we're ranking the songs, albums, and music videos in the hopes of creating the ultimate guide to a career bigger than the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. So the next time you're having one of those days stuck in a traffic jam wondering why does this always happen to me, just kick off your sneakers and stick around for a while because we've got it all on Weird Algorithm. Available wherever you get your podcasts. And now you know. Was that enough references? You're listening to the Geekscape Network.